Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And uh, listen, we were able to grab a friend of the podcast. He's been on before, and uh, we're going to talk about something that, uh, that annoys us. Uh, but also hopefully something that, uh, that we want to talk about something that annoys us, but how we can take that thing that annoys us and ultimately put it to death. We got uh, Jordan Stefaniak back on the podcast. What's up, Jordan? Yo, glad to be here. This is always a pleasure to be hanging out with Joe Thorne, the man, the myth, and the legend. Oh, uh, there, there might be some mythology. There's definitely some lies, some embarrassing truths. You know, uh, if you, you don't know, start with embarrassing truths, if you want, <laughs> uh, let's see, I've thrown up in front of church members, uh, on the street that happened once. Um, I made a, a, a flatulent noise one time while I was preaching. I made it with my hands. My hands were a little sweaty. I was very, very <laughs> nervous. I had that lapel mic on and it was, it was like a, it was one of those things, you know, and, uh, it's just it, really loud. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff, but it pretty much, uh, about once a week I have an embarrassing thing that happens and I tell Jimmy, uh, or Steve McCoy, uh, let them know that <laughs> I am still a total dork and, uh, yeah, that's how I roll. But if you guys don't know who Jordan is, uh, he is the co-founder and president of the London Lyceum, which is a great resource for analytic theology, right? Is that how you say it? Um, uh, you also have the podcast going um, with that, uh, exploring Reformed Baptist theology. You bring on all kinds of people, smart people. Uh, if you know Jordan, then you know, like he is one of those uh, gracious listeners and thinkers. Uh, Jordan, you're real smart, uh, but you're not a you're not a smart aleck uh, when you're talking to people. Uh, you're funny, but you're not a jerk, and I love that about you. I really appreciate the way that you approach the serious doctrines and uh, and how you promote serious doctrine and serious thinking and serious living for the glory of God, man. So we always love having you on. Well, I appreciate that, man. So it's uh, we're recording on a Wednesday, so halfway through the week. You guys are getting ready to move into a new house. I know that's that's going on. And uh, you were telling me earlier that like it's like your favorite thing. You just love packing up all of your belongings. and Absolute it, joy. <laughs> to be packing up all of my books. Every time you pack up your books, you think, should I own this many books? And the answer is always yes, but it's still a pain in the butt to move them all. It's funny because I'm sure it's the same for you. Like uh, you probably, I, I get rid of a lot of books all the time. Oh yeah. Constantly giving them away, uh, donating them, loaning them, knowing I'm probably not going to see them. There's certain books we don't loan out, of course. Uh, <laughs> but man, uh, it doesn't matter. They just keep coming and you just keep finding them and, you but you them. know what's cool? Like even though I'm like moving all these boxes, it's like I'm I've forgotten that I've had certain books. I'm like, man, I need to read that one. Yeah. And so then my reading list grows exponentially. Though I know for a fact I will never get to those books in a timely fashion. But have you? It, uh, I always get a little choked up. Have you discovered you know, a book? The nerd. Have you rediscovered? A, have you rediscovered a book that you want to read again? And so far, while you're packing. You know, I have, um, but I don't remember which ones they are. I Warren Wearsby. I throw them on the, I throw, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got, I think I've got like a complete set of Wearsby at my dad's house or something. It's his, not mine, but. Is it his B commentary series? Oh, uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Hey man, that's, that's, uh, listen, <laughs> I was never uh, a, a, a big Wearsby guy, but uh, hey, the Lord uses all of his people. And so uh, yeah. that's uh, that's always uh, a cool thing. Um, 
All right. So now you are, and you're you're still um, you're still at Southeastern doing the the Russ Bush Center for for faith and culture, yep. right? Is that Southeastern? So I yeah, I'm part of the John Templeton grant that they've got going on on human nature. So okay. We're doing all sorts of cool stuff with with that. Uh, this year, we're focusing on human formation, so thinking about how do we understand how the human person grows mm-hmm. in all sorts of ways, whether that's primarily we're thinking more spiritually, but yeah. also just traditionally across the spectrum of just growing as a virtuous individual. Uh, we've got a really cool conference coming up in February that I'm excited about, mm-hmm. so we've been nailing down all the speakers for that, and that's been fun. So I think there's some cool work we're doing with it, and the project's been a lot of fun. Nice. Nice. Now, I heard that you got a portrait of Thomas Aquinas uh, on your chest. Would you like to show that to all of us? Because I know you worship Thomas Aquinas. You know, I would not get a (laughs) tattoo of Thomas Aquinas. And if I got a tattoo, it wouldn't be of 1689. It would definitely be of 1677. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I like to stir the pot, though, with all the Aquinas stuff. You know, I I try to stay out of it as much as I can, but I like to throw in the other medieval nemesis uh, you know Henry of Ghent or or Bonaventure, and and give them some street cred that they right, right. they should be in the ringleaders of you know the mafia that are that are ruffling all the feathers. It is funny because it really does feel like I just really do not enjoy most of Twitter. Um, I, I just I, yeah, I just I just don't. Maybe I just need to change how I'm looking at it. But but it does seem like it seems like okay, so people are kind of minding their own business over here. You know, like poor Midwestern, like, hey, we're doing this thing. We're going to be, hey, PhD seminar or whatever. We're going to be doing some Thomas Aquinas. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> somebody's triggered, asking for the manager, wanting to know what's going on. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Just leave people alone, man. They're like literally doing great things, not promoting Catholicism. It's a, uh... yeah, man. It's a, uh... I, I find the whole thing rather weird, suspicious, um, troubling, annoying. And that's just one little aspect of what I wanted to talk to you about. What I wanted to talk to you about, uh, where that's just like maybe one little example. I wanted to talk to you about the perception that people have, and in particular, people on social media, the perception that people have on social media of reformed Baptists, right? Like, um, why... Do, the, do we have the reputation that we have? Is it good? Is it bad? Um, is it balanced? Is it fair? Uh, I, have, I have my take. I, I would love to hear you answer that question. What, what in your survey of the interwebs, as you've dove through all of the tubes that connect computers, um, how do people seem to respond to or um, characterize Reformed Baptists? So... If we want to cat it, like funnel it down to just the internet, because if I asked most people in a church, "What do you think of a Reformed right. Baptist?" they'd say a, a what. Yeah. Um, so I do think there is a large segment of people who would have no clue what that even means. Sure. But if we confine it to the internet of people who are sort of in the theology sphere, uh, it's definitely a negative perception. I don't know of anyone who would say. You know, you play that word association game or something like that. One word, Reformed Baptist. I don't think you're ever going to get a positive word that goes along with it. Uh, I feel like every week I'm seeing somebody say, if you put 1689 in your bio or anything related to oh, yeah. that, I mean, it's it's bad news. Yeah, you you're a white supremacist. You you're a total jerk, um, and it's it's not a bug. It's a it's a feature. Yeah. of those who want to 
have 1689 somewhere associated with them. So it's, from my opinion, it's super negative. And that was part of what like really formed our podcast to some degree with London Lyceum. When we just started as a podcast, we really wanted to start because we saw, hey, Baptists just across the board don't seem to really think a lot. We want to promote people to think more deeply about topics. Yeah. And on the other side, we realized that there's a terrible online perception of Reformed Baptists, and we sort of wanted to be part of the solution to, to helping to give us better PR. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of part of the reason that we did the podcast, and that's part of the reason we continue to do it, and part of the reason we continue to highlight things like charity so often is because not just because we want to be like have a good image or something like at the end of the day, that's not that big of a deal, but because I do think it matters that we behave in ways that are honorable and respectful and worthy of the, of Christ who, who purchased, purchased us with his blood. So that's short answer to my idea of the perception. Well, you know, reputation matters. I mean, the Bible tells us this. Reputation matters. Uh, now, if you have a bad rep for doing what's right, then all right, then you suffer yep. well, suffer for righteousness sake. But I'm with you in that there does seem to be a negative perception of Reformed Baptists by other Christians uh, on the internet. And and oftentimes I see that very thing, you know, that it's usually in the form of a joke, but they're serious. If it says 1689 in their bio, you know, they're... We know exactly what they're like, and then they paint this caricature. Um, and this is nothing new. Like the whole idea of Baptists having to protect their reputation, that's been our history, right? I mean, they, they thought in the 17th century, they thought like, oh, these are Anabaptist heretics, weirdos, uh, you know, partnering up with the Quakers or whatever it is. Like they had, and we constantly had to like, no, 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 that's, that's why we have the second London Confession. So you would see the parallel. So it's worth it's worth it. I think it's worth understanding how people perceive us, while avoiding this uh, I, this desire to be palatable, right? It's like, like I, I don't want to be a per, a people pleaser, you know. I don't want to conform to the expectations of other people. But like you said, we we ought to have a godly character that's reflected in social media. We ought to have a cheerful heart. We ought to have a sober mind. You know, we ought to have a lot of things that that come to the front. And what I see, and, and by the way, the perception of Reformed Baptists is also my perception of what I see uh, waving the flag of Reformed Baptists quite a bit these days. And what I what I see, and I know what I hear from a lot of other people, is that these are okay. Here, here, here's I think. Uh, you do tell me if I'm if I'm being too hard. Uh, my take is is that there's a large segment of Christian Twitter, Facebook uh, that views Reformed Baptists as hypercritical unnecessarily divisive, controversy seeking, outrage addicted. I see that uh, among some of the the people that are that would be noted for this oh, self righteousness uh, the, and the gatekeepers of orthodoxy. Um, like I, that's it's 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 an unfriendly group is is one way mm-hmm. to maybe summarize it all. That's the I think a general perception and and I see this when people aren't even people that are they're Calvinistic you know they're they're Bible loving people or whatever and they'll say like well I'm not. 
a Reformed Baptists, and um, you know there are a couple of good ones, and they'll point to you, or they'll point to, point to somebody, and they're like, "Hey, listen, I, they're, they're chill. I love them. Great people." Uh, but the the vast majority, in their mind, the vast majority are exactly that they're, they're they're unfriendly, and I don't think. I don't. I personally don't think it's an accurate summary of Reformed Baptists. I don't think it's a fair summary of Reformed Baptists. So, if it's not fair, if you agree with me on that, why do we have this reputation? Where is it coming from? Well, it is fair in some senses, right? So there are people who just put the number one six eight nine in their bio, and then behave like fools online. Yeah. And I, I do want to be. I bet you half the people who act a fool online are totally chill and normal in real life. Yeah. So if, if I were to go hang out with them, grab a drink, do something, they'd be normal. They'd be chill. It's just when they get online behind a keyboard, they go from, you know, Mr. Hyde to, to Jekyll or something. So I do want to give some charity there on Doc, that Dr. sense. Je- but Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, go ahead. Yeah, whatever it is. Sorry. <laughs> Horror I, nerd. Go ahead. I don't remember. It's before my time. Um, <laughs> So I do think there is a sense in which the label is true and accurate. There are people online, and it does seem to be disproportionately these people who have 1689 in their bio are behaving like turds. Uh, but on the other side, it's there's two, I think, things I would want to say. Number one, that's not everybody. Right. Um, there's a lot of people who self-consciously don't put that that in their bio because of the association. And yet they would say, yes, I confess the second London confession of faith. So they use different acronyms or something like that, or they just don't put it in there, but they, even though they do. And then the second piece that goes along with that, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, I've already forgotten my second piece. So I was hoping that it would come to me there and no, that happens to me all the time as i waited yeah, like it gets worse it gets way so, worse and listen that's i take my one piece i i think it's fair but i don't think it's fair yeah I, that's that's how i think about it like okay well in some way we've earned it it, it hasn't been made up all right it, it, there so but but who do i mean by we right um and if like so i'm i've certainly uh been a jerk in person and online um i don't discriminate you know, I, I can be fun and pleasant in person and online, and I can be ugly. That's, uh, that, that's true of all of us. But I do think that while there are certain people that have been platformed, certain organizations that do have this sort of inherent, earnest pugnacity, and, and they, they really, they, they, my perception is there are certain groups and people that have really drunk the water of outrage culture like they're just constantly outraged at things many things it's like you you don't need to be outraged you can be mildly offended that would be more appropriate and <laughs> you can address it but not everything is a is a is a, is a three alarm fire right so i see that but then yeah. on the one hand on the on the other hand with that if that's the reputation if it's really just a, a small number of people that are loud and organized uh then it's still on us because the rest of us haven't done a good job promoting a charitable reformed orthodoxy. Like we like we should be doing more. Now you're doing your part. I'm trying to do uh, my part. Uh, you know, Jimmy and I started doctrine and devotion because we really wanted it to be, Oh, here's experiential reformed Baptist theology. Uh, that's friendly. 
we want to be known yeah. as happy Calvinists. That's <laughs> what we really like to yeah. be known as happy. Um, so I do think that's a part of it, right? We need to be doing a better job. And we can talk about that later. Like, how do we actually, how do we actually fix this? But when it comes to this, this, these groups of Calvinists, uh, Reformed Baptists, um, I think you're right. Some of them are, and I, I've met people like this even back in the blogging days. People were very aggressive online, even towards me. And then we, when we would meet, they would be all like, "Hey, how you doing? What's up?" Like. Yeah. Like it was like a wrestling show or something, you know, and it was just for the fans. It was, it just always struck me as odd. So I know that, I know that some people are, a switch gets flipped when they're, when they're online. But I also think that there might be features in their thinking that lead this, lead them down this particular path. I mean, I know like I was there when I was in college, I was an aggressive, pugnacious, arrogant, self-righteous, condescending jerk. I was, and uh, and God just put it on full display for me to finally see in my senior year. Uh, it was humiliating and convicting, and um, I praise God that he that he showed me that. And now he's been reminding me, like for the past dec few decades, like don't do that. You've been there. Mm -hmm. What do you think that there are features in the the mindset, or maybe doctrinal features? I think there are, but do you think there are doctrinal features, or or even just? Uh, perspectives that are in people that are giving us a bad name that we could identify. So this isn't, you know, across the board a blanket statement. Sure. But I do think that there is a real sense in which people who get attached to the label of Reformed Baptist or 1689 are not actually Reformed Baptist or 1689. And so this is why it becomes such an issue. What they are is... Calvinists, they're lonely. Um, they're in a church probably that isn't Calvinistic or something like that. And so they're trying to find an online community. And so they find this growing, burgeoning movement that is finding this, oh, this confession, this Baptists who are Calvinists, and they sort of latch on to that. And I mean, oftentimes, I mean, for the most part, it's usually dudes who are like this. Mm -hmm. Um, so you get the testosterone factor firing in there. And I think it's just ends up being a recipe. It's, it's usually guys who are really excited about theology. Good yeah. thing. Excited, pumped about it. That's awesome. I, I'm glad I want to stoke those fires. I don't want to put that out, but it's very narrow minded. They haven't read widely on everything. And so they just, they think that they know everything. They're probably, if they're in a church where they're the, one of the few Calvinists, you, they probably think they know the most theology of anybody there. And so that sort of builds that sort of intellectual culture in your mind of, mm. I am the authority on these theological matters. No one else is. And if you question my status or if, you know, there have been so many of us, like I count myself as one of them that have been uh, uh, built up in some ways at some point from different various online ministries and some of them are very large, and they can they at least confess to say that they want to hold things like uh, sixteen eighty nine or being a Reformed Baptist. They're very powerful. I think of things like James White and the Dividing Line. That's extremely influential among young men. And yet, the demeanor, even when I listen to the Dividing Line regularly, there was a period where I would listen to every one. And even then, when I was very much like appreciative of it, there was just an ethos about it that was unhealthy and negative for me. And 
even my mentor, I remember when I didn't know who James White was, my mentor, you know, introduces me to him. He says, wait, but remember, he, he's a little full of himself. Uh, so you just got to be careful um, with how you with how you intake this material. It's good material. He's bringing a lot of good things, but there is just a sense in which the attitude is not the right uh, way to handle and deal with theology. And I want to be blunt about that because that is a very influential ministry. I don't mean any disrespect to to James. Um, I know he's influenced a lot of people, and you may disagree with me on this. So if you disagree, you can shoot me straight. But I really think that that is a major factor in why there are a lot of guys that are jerks online. Because it's it's that whole thing, you know, where the teacher uh, teaches one thing and then the, the generations below it become worse and worse and worse. It's like that telephone game sort of thing. And I think that ends up happening. Yeah. So you have yeah. very dogmatic opinions, very strong-willed op- opinions on everything. It's not just on the things you're an expert in. It's on stuff that you don't know jack squat about. And yet you've decided to be become a pope about it, and so you you function in that way, uh, not not in the papist sense. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not going to call James a pope in that sense. Uh, just you know, in the sense of uh, you have the answers and 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 you know what you're doing, and so that kind of breeds that sort of mindset. I, and mm-hmm. I, I don't. I again, I really want to be generous to him, but I do think that that is a major problem in Reformed Baptist life. Is stemming from ministries like that that have bred a sort of attitude that's brash and that's arrogant and that is very strong-willed on things and is unwilling to be corrected. So yeah. I think a mark of someone that I can say, I can, you can be strong-willed, but if you have never said, I'm sorry or I was wrong and I learned something new, that makes me very concerned. Yeah, yeah. I would be, yeah, it, does, it makes me concerned too. And I think uh, a lot of us have, have been in that situation uh, where maybe we're going through that uh, uh, in our own struggles, or we've been under ministries uh, and leaders like that. You know, and I've talked about it before. I sat under a pastor uh, whom I loved. He loved me. Uh, he invested in me. He was a loyal friend to me. And uh, it took me years to actually begin to see, like, this guy's never wrong. I mean, in his own mind, there's, he's yeah. never wrong. He's never, and I'd never heard him apologize. Listen, I spent hours and days and months and years with this guy, um, traveled together, all kinds of, never once heard him apologize, say I was wrong. Uh, it, it just wasn't a thing. And it was, you know, it was, it was, boy, it scared me. It scared me because one of the things I liked about him so much was his confidence and his certainty and his clarity. But yeah, this idea that, you know, we, 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 we can't change our minds or, or learn, um, you know, and just be charitable. I think one of the features that I'm seeing, um, and I'm not ta- here talking just about James White, but I, I see, I see a couple of things. I, I do see in some this, inability to do the theological triage, right? Like not everything is a first order doctrine. Um, and, and though I think they would articulate that, but they act as if everything is. And, they, and so that, that's a feature that I, I see that concerns me that I think contributes to some of the, the, the vitriol and the, the, the anger. And another thing that I see is that, that you know, brashness. I Listen, a lot of people, I'll speak about myself. I like watching somebody get owned. 
There's just something fun about that, right? Somebody's talking. I like to watch the professor. He's a famous street street baller, street you know basketball, and um, and he's just this. Uh, he's getting older now. Skinny white guy. He plays street ball with some great you know players, and they they talk us big game. Oh, you, you your YouTube stuff's not going to work here. And then he schools them on camera in front of everybody. I like that. There's a lot of us that like that getting owned. And that that whole brashness in culture is appreciated and valued, especially if you can back it up. And I I think that's bleeding in. It has bled in. And like Trump is a great example of that. And but I'm not dogging Trump or uh or praising Trump here. I'm just saying Trump was a very brash, arrogant guy. Uh, who was hysterical to watch at times, especially in debates. He made me laugh, even when I thought he was like, that's not the kind of president I want, but it's funny. But like that whole mindset uh, has been embraced by uh, more than a few people that have platforms and that are sort of setting the tone for what Reformed Baptists are in the minds of the populace that aren't Reformed. Do you see that? Oh, absolutely. And I think another reason that we end up seeing a lot of people associate Reformed Baptists with negative things is just, I think there's a sense we have a lack of institutional presence where it's not really consolidated well, Mm. and it's not at institutions that have been long lasting and that have been consistent in their messaging. So I, I was thinking the other day I asked, you know, we've, we've got a, a total nerd like online channel thing for people with the London Lyceum. And we've got, a bunch of dudes in there. And I asked just like, how come the Westminster confession gets a pass? Like it's almost identical to the second London confession of faith. And yet dudes with, who want to say, I like the 1689 get plastered as terrible human beings. And yet those who confess the Westminster confession of faith don't get that same treatment. And I thought, I wonder if it has to do with that, sort of reliable institutional presence with people like Ligon Duncan. I mean, just the genuine sort of like mm-hmm. going to champion the reform faith and he's not going to be a jerk about it. He's just, and he's focused on good, positive building up things. I think of other people like if we had more Dr. Jim Renahan's yeah. reform Baptist image would be awesome. Yeah. Just because he's like the, the premier gentleman, he's a scholar, he's a pastor, he's just kind, he's generous He's all the things that you would hope a Christian brother would be. And if we had more institutions that were specifically branded in that sort of way, Mm -hmm. that weren't trying to build kingdoms, but were trying to just continue to train men uh, and women uh, to to understand the biblical text and to to apply it to their own lives and to to serve their churches in the capacities that they've they've been gifted, I think we would have a better image. So I've wondered if that institutional sort of presence and maybe really the decentralization of Reformed Baptists uh, kind of contributes to this. So it ends up allowing sort of the platformed popular people to really take the microphone away from those those more uh, reliable places that yeah. you, you just have a lot more red tape to say stupid things. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it, it does make sense because I... One of the things you said earlier was like some of these people actually aren't confessionally reformed. Yeah, they're not. They're not reformed Baptists in any confessional sense. Um, they're you know picking and choosing, but they they like it in general, and so they kind of claim it. I've always said it's you know they're and 
this is I'm I, here. I'm being funny, guys. I'm not trying to hate, uh, but some of them are fundamentalists wearing a 1689 T-shirt. That's what I've said. Um, it's it's fine. That's uh, it, that's like, but I I don't think in the end. I, I tend to think like a lot of these guys that right now are touting or at least promoting. Uh, the second London Confession, um, I think in five to 10 years, they won't be doing it anymore because the trajectory that they're on of of biblicism and fundamentalism is just going to make them drop it or just use it as, you know, something that they occasionally reference for something. They don't, I don't think they'll allow it to be an identifier and maybe that would be helpful. I wanted to ask you about this, about something that you had mentioned because it's it's one of the reasons why we don't have a lot of systematic theologies is we haven't had an established trusted institutional presence like presbyterians have had um why have we not like why has that been the case that we haven't had because we've had you know baptist seminaries have been around for you know what a couple hundred years why why haven't we had an established i mean presbyterians have splintered all over the place so why haven't we had an established institutional presence akin to the Presbyterians or the Lutherans? So this is very much armchair. Mm-hmm. I'm not a historian. So I'm sure someone could come around the side and correct me or give me a better answer. We're not experts here. But, We're just talking. We're just friends talking. But yeah, as I, like if you just like if we're just hanging out and I'm spitballing an answer to that, I've got to think it has to do with just the sort of the intellectual culture of Baptist life over the last 150 years uh, or more in where Baptists became more interested in pragmatic mission-oriented things, which missions is good. It's, it's, it's like the part of the Great Commission, but it's not the only thing. And so Baptists, I think, became obsessed with one aspect and became extremely pragmatic and partly influenced by the, the culture and the business model of of church that began to take take root. And so what ends up happening is somewhere along the line, um, knowledge, theological education begins to be looked down upon and frowned upon as that's the ivory tower where theology, where, where mission goes to die. That's where Christians go to die. You know, it's instead of the seminary, it's the cemetery that, you know, all the bad jokes that you've heard over your life about it. And those people don't really love Jesus. They don't really care about it. So it's stigmatized right. sort of serious educational pursuits. And I do think there is a sense in which a lot of the Baptists who were serious about that ended up be- becoming uh, captured by liberal sort of theology over the last hundred plus years. And so the best and brightest Baptists felt like I have a choice right now. Um, either I go to a genuinely conservative, they try to love Jesus, and, well, I guess both sides, they're trying to love Jesus. I I don't want to say that liberal people aren't in their heart of hearts trying to love Jesus. I think most of them are. Um, So, But you have a choice. Do I give up my intellect and go with this this Baptist church that almost looks at knowledge negatively, or do I give up some of my theological convictions Mm -hmm. by being able to satisfy my intellectual appetite? And I think that ends up creating this sort of context where we just don't value it and therefore we haven't invested in it and we don't have serious institutions. Now we do have the Southern Baptist Convention. We have six seminaries there as Baptists. So if you're SBC, uh, then you have those, um, though they're not explicitly Reformed Baptist in any sense. I mean, yeah. 
I guess Southern and Southeastern both ha- confess the abstractive principles, yeah. which is a, you know, a, a sort of a summary of the second London confession of faith in, in many form. So in a sense, they uh, confessionally should be reformed seminaries, but even then there's such a breadth of, of, of and diversity of viewpoints there. And they're not explicitly trying to uphold a reformed faith. Yeah. Um, I mean, Southern maybe to no. some degree is. Nope. I'm, it's my alma mater, but no. When I was there, even it, 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 it's not a reformed seminary, no. But they have, you know, there there are some reformed guys there. Uh, there's a lot of guys there that are not reformed. Meaning, you know, we should have probably maybe define what we, what we mean by that yeah, when you're we say right. reformed, right? Um, you know, I would say, and you correct me if if I'm leaving anything out or, or overstepping, but I would say, Jimmy and I've talked about this before. To, to first of all, we admit. Presbyterian, some Presbyterians would say we don't get to use the label. Fine, but uh, but reformed typically means um, confessional. Uh, mm-hmm. you, there's a confession. One of the great reformed confessions uh, that you hold to uh, Westminster, Savoy, Belgic, whatever, Second London. Um, so there's confessionalism, uh, and then a part of that would be covenantalism, covenant theology. Um, the uh, the regulative principle always seems to be uh, an important part of it as we as we touch on worship. Uh, what else is there? Um, I think there's usually a couple of I others mean, that people it, think of. If you confess one of those Reformed confessions, 95% of your theology is going to be identical. So there, yeah. I guess you would be you would be Calvinistic in soteriology and the decrees, mm-hmm. though there's no requirement to be superlapsarian or right. infralapsarian. That's left open. But what, 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 should, what should they be? I think infralapsarian is is more uh, oh. consistent with the text, and it's also the majority position. Okay, so oh, time to go. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, Turretin takes infralapsarian as, yeah. as the position. So if you want to be truly reformed in the TR sense, well, listen, I'll uh, add Turretin. Come on, what does he know? Um, yeah, it's always funny. Anytime I find myself in a minority position. Or just out of step with somebody that I really like, I'm always like, Oof, I really would really not hold. I would rather not hold this position that I'm holding right now. <laughs> My conscience in the scripture sometimes doesn't. I mean, one of the things that that I was wondering is, um, you know, we got a later start than the Presbyterians, so we're not going to have the the on ramp for institutional establishment that they did. But also uh, because of when we were born, in a sense, uh, we encountered things early on that liberalism for example um that was was an immediate challenge before we really had a maybe maybe we didn't have enough time maybe uh to really establish a a a large presence and the the thing that baptists have done differently than presbyterians when presbyterians separate they're still holding on to the westminster standards EPC, OPC, PCA, OPP, whatever, like everybody kind of does. They're like, okay, but this is what it means to be Presbyterian. So then there are some functional differences or whatever. But whereas Baptists, like they will, they will summarize and continue to summarize. And instead of clarifying, they make it things more vague. And the abstract is great. We use it for our church, right? Um, for people coming in to understand kind of what we're all about. And of course we talk about and teach from the 1689, but um, it, there seems to be a lot more 
individualism, uh, you know, yep. and you know, local church autonomy has really encouraged that, right? And I believe yep. in local church autonomy, but it, it really does lend itself to like, well, we're going to write it up in our own way and we're going to continue to go. I think that's, and, and be, so because we've been so diversified, we haven't had like a real, like singularly identifiable Baptist uh, theological powerhouse especially in the reform tradition we, we we have that in institutions and and we have some good seminaries now that are that are truly re confessionally reformed baptists but they're not known it's not like the presbyterians yeah. i mean we need to we need more funding for institutions like that yeah. Yeah. we need to promote places that are committed to to promulgating those things in, in a way that is charitable like we've talked mm -hmm. about, that's kind, that's generous, and that's serious about what, what the task is, and is serious about the confession. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about the sort of reputation that we have. I think if we took our confession more seriously, but you you treat people with kindness and respect. Um, I mean, I wish really all the people, all the debates on the internet, if you could have them in person, most all of them could be uh, in a large measure resolved. So, I mean, there's a lot of like in, inner fighting among even the Reformed Baptist stuff right now, which is, it's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame that we can't just say, let's get in a room and hang out and talk and just figure out where we're at. And, you know, if we disagree some places, that's fine, but it, let's figure out where we are with, with the confession. Let's start here with this document yeah. that it's supposed to be a unifying document and stop um, talking about things that are, outside the scope of it. Because if we all said, yes, let's agree, this is something that's, you know, not a part of the confession, you can have a different opinion on that. And let's be cool about that. I think that would help uh, the discussions that yeah. even just among us Reformed Baptists, it would help us be just better people about things. Yeah, um, it would help us be better because you know what it's like. Online, you're, you're just not going to have the same back and forth. And if somebody comes on hot, like a lot of us are just like, who cares? I'm not going to engage. It's just silly. Yep. But if it's in person, they come on hot. You're like, well, hang on a second. Like, let's just, let me, let me explain where I'm coming from. There's, you can't just, you're not going to walk away, right? If things are in person. So I, I totally agree with that. Let's talk about that. What are some ways in which we can help to rebuild the reputation uh, of Reformed Baptists? And one of the things you're talking about is, you know, um, confessionalism uh and conscientiousness right like let's actually work with the confession let's know it let's let's pour over it and uh, and have dialogue about it and where we disagree we can maintain some sort of charity what else what else can we do if reformed baptists are like Ugh, i don't like the way we're perceived what are some steps that we should begin to take and so uh, this is a great question i think you start individually and you should be praying and asking the Lord to, to give you those, those virtues and those dispositions of kindness, uh, being open to reason, being open to reason is a virtue. And James commends it and says, that is the wisdom from above. Yeah. So I think we should be conscientiously seeking that, desiring that, asking the Lord to give that. Um, and I think a simple practical thing just to loosen us up and stop to get the stodginess out of us a little bit is if you're a pastor, you should be going on more hospital visits. Mm. If you're not a pastor, you should ask your pastor to go on some hospital visits and just visit with some people who are, who are hurting and dying 
And that can recalibrate your perspective that's a little good. bit sometimes. So I think that's a simple step. It's two things you can do individually. I mean, mm. just pray, be, actually be a member of a church, be involved in it, love it, grow with it, put up with the differences and the, the challenges that come with it. Um, I think also you should seek out friendships with people who are different than than you. Yeah. So I think someone outside of your local church uh, that doesn't hold the same confession as you can be a really good thing for yeah. you. Read a book together. Um, just meet up for coffee once a month. Do something that challenges you to say, I just intentionally want to be kind to someone else who cares about the same stuff I do, but comes to different conclusions. Yeah. Maybe well, that's a Wesleyan. It, Maybe that's, it teaches you or it forces you to learn how to listen to people because if you have a relationship, right? You're, you're going to try to understand them and try to understand why they think the way that they think. And then it teaches you how to talk to them, not talk at them. Yeah, I think yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a really good point. So, you know, you know I, I took a, a little shot, I guess, at James White earlier. I do want to – I'll build him up. I remember there was a several-year period where he was doing stuff with Michael Brown mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, Michael Brown is like, you know – Basically, you would think of James White and Michael Brown as enemies. I mean, what Michael Brown's like a continuationist and Arminian and all those senses, and yet they work together in a lot of ways. And I think it was good for both of them, and it was healthy for other people to see these two brothers who disagree on fundamental issues and yeah. yet can say, I agree on the fundamentals of the faith, the the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene We We confess these same core doctrines, and so therefore we can pursue certain avenues of ministry together we can be friends and we can really sharpen each other i think that sort of stuff should Mm. be more promoted across across the spectrum just in person and online as well i think people should be reading widely for every i don't know two or three sources that agree with your position you need to read somebody who disagrees with it who you respect um don't pick the bottom shelf people who like obviously they don't know what they're talking about uh, pick somebody who's a top shelf scholar. It, you know, if you're if you want to do the Calvinism stuff, I I can't think of anybody better than somebody like Tom McCall to be reading his stuff. Uh, Tom is awesome. Uh, I disagree with him fundamentally on a lot of those things, but I would love to hang out with him and learn from him all the time because he's he's brilliant and he he really has a really good insight on Scripture and he's trying to uphold it faithfully. We come to different conclusions, but we respect each other. Uh, and I, I mean, so I think those are some practical sort of like more individual level stuff that, mm. to help. Um, but just overall, I mean, again, I think we need to pour into, we need more media stuff that's, that's positive. I saw another synodoc on YouTube, like pre, pre, I don't know what you call it. It's like, you know, the trailer stuff. And it's like all these guys are like, the world is ending Things are terrible. Everybody's a theological, like, you know, you know, giving it up. You're giving up theology. You're going to become a liberal all, all across the board. And their media is freaking good. We need more serious media in those sort of contexts that is not trying to demonize everybody. Yeah. And that's trying to build up healthy, sound doctrine. I think there's a reason that the Apostle Paul uses a term in First Timothy uh, for when he talks about sound doctrine. That word there. It refers typically to like health. It's like healthy doctrine. Yeah, I think that's we need to be building up these sort of mm. positive sort of images when we come to thinking about theology and, and our other brothers and sisters in the faith. So 
I think those might be some ways. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's lots of other ones. I, I like that because, but but here's there there's a there's a problem that we face because of you you said two things there, and they they don't go so well together. Even though I agree with you, we need to do both. One is we need uh, you know we got to learn to communicate and use the resources God has. So we need to get good at media, social media, uh, video production, all that stuff, because that's how people take in information. We got to get good at that. And um, I think if we had the, the the people that could approach this in the ways that we're sympathetic to, um, I think they'd be far more influential because the, the 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 controversy the foreboding music the you know the ooh like you know the boogeyman's out there again stuff we need to address i'm not saying we don't address that um but oftentimes because there is such an attack mode and it, and because they they're oftentimes aren't understanding people that say stupid things somebody says a stupid thing it's a stupid thing uh but instead of trying to understand why they said that what do they really think they take that stupid thing to be a very clear and precise articulation of what they believe. And they extrapolate from that a whole body of divinity, essentially of uh, that's heretical. So um, I think we would have far more influence just by presenting truth and also doing so in positive, helpful ways. We need to be constructive. But that's harder to do. It's way easier to critique than it is to actually build up and create positive sort of conversations and content that really contribute to people being built up in yeah. the faith. Well, and that, and that also, it's also harder. This is my second thing that I think makes it difficult is you essentially said, hey, uh, focus on your local church. Okay, well, that, I agree with that 100%. The healthiest people that I've ever known are very focused on their local church. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're dialed in and uh, and they're, you know, but at any rate. So, uh, but that means then that you're, you're gonna have less time for these other issues, these other uh, platforms or uh, expressions. Uh, so I, it's like, wow, I want to be fully invested. And that's a priority for us at, at Redeemer among all the elders. So that leaves a small window of time at really off church hours, to be honest, like when I'm not working for the church uh, to do that other stuff, uh, anything else that I might want to do. And maybe maybe uh part of the solution to connecting local church emphasis with uh you know a healthy uh media that is theologically rich is to begin doing that for each local church right and then maybe some of these churches can partner together within reformed baptist associations uh where they're focusing on their local churches to get this stuff out but then that is elevated so that everybody else can see it I, I agree with everything you said in terms of like, these are the things that could be helpful in rebuilding a reputation in my mind though. I almost, again, and I, I, I could be just being overly harsh here. I recognize that, but I feel like we need to take our reputation back because I feel like the reputation that is out there is coming from a, a minority of people. And I, I don't think it's fair that that rep- represents the whole in the minds of so many. I'll own the reputation that, you know, that I built 100%. Like it's mine. If it's bad, it's on me. Um, and, but I, 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 it's it's frustrating to know like, oh man, people write us off because of a label that they associate with a particular experience or expression that isn't even us. By the way, at Redeemer, uh, you know, we don't have Baptist in our name and uh, we did that on purpose. We chose yeah. Redeemer Fellowship because we didn't want 
our this identifying mark of us to be uh, misunderstood. We wanted like let's make it about Jesus. So we're just going to go with Redeemer. That allows us to talk about who he is and what he does very clearly, even in our name. And we went with fellowship because you know it essentially means church, but uh, it talks, it presents it in a different way, allows us to kind of unpack that for people. Um, but I've heard from a number of people that have visited Redeemer over the, our 15 years. A number of them who joined said, I never would have came if I knew it was a Baptist church. I never would have walked in if it said Baptist. I thought you were maybe Presbyterian or something, wasn't sure, came in, loved it, and very quickly found out, oh, wow, they're Baptists. And they're, and, but yeah. they were already in. So, because um, we're very upfront about that uh, in all of our teaching and all that. So, I, yeah, I think the, the, the local church emphasis, if we can learn to leverage media, that's a whole other conversation we're going to have to have. I, you're going to have to come back on so we can talk about why churches should care about media. Yeah, dude, man, I. I'm not going to get into it. No, it's a whole big thing. All right, you'll come back on and uh, we'll talk about like how, why churches need to invest in uh, equipment beyond like sound equipment or video equipment beyond Sunday morning. Like, is that necessary? I mean, if the, I thought the word was enough. So why would you need anything but the word? Uh, Is it necessary? Is it helpful? How can we do it? What are some ideas? Let's, let's talk about that. And, um, we might get a couple guys on to talk about that. There's some guys out there that are doing it. So yeah. Ooh, okay. We got the next thing we're going to talk we about. We just we're solving problems as we talk here. Well, we're identifying problems for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's that's right. That's a better I, way to say it. <laughs> I uh, I just I I just put I wonder before anything I'm going to say a lot of the time. And that way I'm like, well, I wonder if this is it. And then I just talk and then I can just say, well, I was just wondering. And then you're off the hook for anything cuz you just said I wonder. Just wondering. No, I'm not saying. I'm not saying that uh, Jordan Stefaniak is going to become a Roman Catholic. I'm just wondering. Man, I I, I get pretty frustrated with to some degree with both sides of mm-hmm. the debate, to be honest with you, yeah. because I think there, there is that sense of, like, let's just either, A, it's time to move on. It's time to move on and go your separate ways and to just do your thing. Like, focus on your own ministries. Yeah. Um, because it's it's not really affecting any sort of change. But there's also, I mean, when those sort of things happen, you end up getting extremisms on both sides. Yeah. So I clearly, I'm a classical theist, but I, I do get uncomfortable with the level of uh, kind of like, I want to just show everybody on the other side what's up. So I'm going to just become a Thomas Aquinas, like literally get a tattoo. My guys, you know, there's more theologians than just Thomas. I love Thomas. I think yeah. he's he's been one of my best friends as I've been reading. But you got to read more than just Thomas. Like yeah. it's not just him. You you've got to engage all of the medieval literature, all the patristic literature, all the reformed literature. Um, you know, I was reading Richard Cross the other day, who's like super smart guy and probably the most I. On my podcast, he threw so much shade on me one time. Like, no <laughs> one else has ever done that. And he didn't even mean to. I just said something about Luther and being like, I have no clue why he did that. And he didn't miss a beat in telling me, no, I ex- know exactly why he did. Uh, so that was pretty intense. But yeah. Richard Cross, he's saying, Peter Mar- Vermigli, he's like, he uh, is a Scotist. 
he was trained as a SCOTUS, and I'm like, oh man, that's going to upset a bunch of people who who want to say that Thomas is the only uh, source for Reformed Baptists. So I like I like Thomas. Uh, I get really frustrated with all this, all the hate on Thomas. I don't get it. It's really annoying. But I also don't want to play the other side of yeah. it's just Thomas. It's it's also all these other guys who are great resources, and we shouldn't ignore them. Yeah, and that's that's maybe one other thing I'll say about re- reclaiming a reputation. And that is, if you don't like the reputation, then don't feed into it. And this is what you were just talking about, right? That like, okay, we've, we've got this particular debate. And what ha- when somebody pushes you, what's, what's our instinct? I push you back. You know, if you insult me, I insult yeah. you back. Oh, you're being unfair. I'll show you unfair. I, yeah. and, and then we all, because then we like to go big. Oh, you think that was clever? I'm going to crush you. You know, we're going to murder. I'm going to own, destroy. Sure. And so like, so listen, if you want to rebuild the reputation, I would say uh, in part, uh, don't contribute to the reputation that you don't like. Like be be a, 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 a better brother or sister in that situation. Like, like Baxter says, I know he's got his issues. The Baxter had some good practical stuff. And uh, in his, uh, adv- you know, duties of husbands and wives to one another, uh, in a Christian directory. One of the things he essentially says, paraphrase, is like, hey, if one of you is being a total jerk, uh, make sure that the other person is super chill. Like if yeah. if somebody is like like being irrational, and I'm not talking about women. I'm not suggesting that women are the irrational ones because men can be irrational. I am saying if you're being irrational and emotional or if you're being stubborn and stupid or if, if your spouse is being that, then you need to be the calm, deliberate one and then wait, you know, work through it. Don't suffer abuse, ladies. I'm not suggesting that. But the point is, is like in these relatively normal conflicts, be the mature one because you'll be able to better address it after that person's then calmed down and you haven't contributed to the whole. And the other thing I would say is, just with that real quick, is you, you can't change the reputation, but you can own your reputation. Like Jordan, you have a reputation. I love it. Every once in a while, somebody would say like, well, why don't... Why don't you, I was being called out by a guy I know, uh, but he was talking about us. Like, well, it would be nice if you guys actually talk to people that you disagree with. And, and like, I don't, because I just don't, that's, that's not what I do. I don't really care to do that on this podcast, but that is what you do. And everybody yeah. knows that you do that. <laughs> so you're controlling like, your reputation. Own yeah. it. It's great. Yeah. I, I mean, that kind of walked right into that one just because I'm like, you're, you're complaining about particular individuals and you don't realize that I've published peer-reviewed article critiquing one of those people that you think that I'm supporting in all senses of the word. I support a good amount of it. Just there are certain aspects that I disagreed with. So I wrote a paper on it because I I don't want to be captive to any one individual, any one person I'm submitting to the Lordship of Christ. And I want to uphold the confession. Uh, Those are the things that I'm trying to seek to uphold. But I wanted to mention, I I don't know. I mean, the, the, the stuff about the whole classical theism stuff, I, I do think to some extent on both sides, you know, I gave a talk at the Davenant Institute a couple of months ago uh, on things related to this. And they asked a question of like, why are people acting like this? I mean, and they, you know, these guys have been classical theists longer than any of these Baptists even, even been alive. Right. I mean, they, they're young dudes, but I'm, that's just the air they breathe. And so they're, they're looking on with curiosity because uh, I'm like one of the only Baptists in the room. And I, I kind of described it as, I think there's a lot of people in the cage stage of classical hmm. theism really excited about it and so they want to let people know about it and they're going to say it in extreme ways because they're pumped 
and give them five to 10 years to let them calm down and things will work themselves out. But there is a sense, I think, just people are hyper excited about stuff and, and that's good, but they're not controlling their emotions and right. their reactions and their their they're making overstatements that shouldn't be made. And that in, you know, that sort of flares the thing up. Like you were saying, when you make this overstatement, I want to show you up. So I'm going to say something even more extreme. And so hopefully in my best case scenario world, things just cool down by virtue of time because people become more seasoned in what they're thinking and they're reading and they realize, you know what? I said some things that were a little bit over the top and I, I'll own that and I'll, I'll say, you know what? Sorry, move on. And, and that'll help heal some of the divisions that have been made yeah no that's good man jordan thanks for uh thanks for coming on man we uh we love it when when you have time to to join us and we're going to have you back we're going to talk about the church and media yeah that's gonna be we'll have a conversation and i'm gonna try and get we're trying we're trying to figure it out when we can get jimmy on here as well because you know finding time when we can all get on the this thing together is a little tricky but if we have enough planning i think we can pull it off but there are some other guys that are doing that so Thanks for coming on, man. I'll have all of your socials linked, but uh, what is your Twitter handle if people want to engage you there? It's just JL and then my last name. So just search Jordan Stefaniak, which you can totally spell. Um, Just think in your head. There's two Fs, there's an A-N and an I-A-K, and you'll figure it out. I mean, just search Jordan London Lyceum or something. You know what I do is I still, I I want to spell your uh, last name with a P-H. Just it's just for whatever Don't reason. I know I have to correct myself when I'm writing it out. I'm like, oh, that's okay. So that's uh, that's not it. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, man. And for uh, for all of you that are listening, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to engage us on social media, our uh, handle is at Doc and Devo. That's for Instagram and for Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. We have a website, DoctrineAndDevotion.com. And if you want to support the podcast, not just the the two that we drop every uh, Monday and Thursday, but all the work that we're doing, you can subscribe to All Access. And Doctrine and Devotion All Access gives you five theological scriptural meditations Monday through Friday, one a day, and that comes in a little podcast stream for you. And we also have the Banter of Truth podcast, which is Jimmy and I talking about things that maybe we didn't get to uh, on our normal Monday and Thursday episodes. So you can find that by scrolling down to the bottom of your podcast player, and a podcast player, and you can see the support this podcast link. Click that. You can sign up there and be a part of the All Access family. Thanks so much, guys, and God bless. Mm-hmm.